0: Hello, I'm Dylan. I'm Keon. And this is Zenith, that podcast that's just entirely a cop-out, because this week we watched Redemption.
1: Written by Terry Nation.
0: Directed by Veil Lorimer.
1: And aired on January 9th, 1979.
0: We're no longer 40 years to the day of the airing of these episodes, but that's okay, because if we did that, this podcast would take four years to finish, and I don't think we want to be here for another four years for a second podcast. No, and nor do I want to wait for more Blake 7 episodes. Nor did I want to wait a year to find out what happens to the Liberator, although maybe I sh- <laughs> No, actually, I was going to say maybe I should have, but then I would have just built up this idea in my mind and been even more or less, more disappointed.
1: I would have come up with so many theories about what the Liberator is and what ORAC's prediction even means that I would have just been more disappointed than I even was with the actual final product.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> anyway, I think we can just jump right into this. It opens basically where a couple hours, I think after ORAC, but then again, time doesn't work on Blake 7, No, time
0: clearly doesn't work on Blake 7, because it's implied to be a couple hours later, but everybody's wearing a completely different (laughs) outfit. Okay, so we should just lead with talking about their new outfits for this
1: season, because they're questionable at best.
0: Yeah, because, okay, my first, the first one I noticed was Callie, (laughs) who looks like she walked off the runway in a 70s fashion show (laughs) with these huge shoulder pads. Just high fashion.
1: Just, we don't understand, but no, nah. yeah, it looks a lot of the outfits. Okay, this is, I think, a lot of Blake Seven fans who are experienced with the show. Which, if you're jumping in right here, or if you don't know what we do, we're not. This is our first time watching Blake Seven, but I think this is the point on Blake Seven where things start to get a lot more sci fi. Yeah, and
0: the bridge was like way better lit and more colorfully lit in this episode than like the entire previous season. And they, like, showed off the consoles a lot more in this episode.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, Series 1, Series A, it's it's pretty down-to-earth, a lot of it. I mean, other than the space... Sh- well, mm. I mean, compared to... Just look at screenshots from Series D and compare it, yeah. to, compare it to the first series. It's just... It's a lot more wacky and out there. And this is, I think, the start of it, where you get people wearing, like, the big robes and the shoulder pads and the weird aliens and stuff. Not that the series... A didn't have weird aliens, but...
0: Yeah, it's like they made tried to make it a lot more techno and cool and futuristic, where but Series A has like a really... It's it's got a, a, it has like a low-key vibe. It's got a very mixed version of the future. It's like a lot of it is very low-tech. It's like a, a low-tech version of the future. And in this, especially with the, the space station, which I don't think ever actually got named, which feels very, very heavily it's just like sci-fi influence it's just
1: like eight zens glued together
0: (laughs) Uh, but we're not done talking about these outfits because i wanted to mention avon's avon's black leather studded (laughs) outfit that looks like he walked out of like a bdsm convention straight onto set (laughs) blake's looks the same
1: blake's is fine jenna's is almost the same too it's sort of, yeah, Genesis is almost the same. Gan, on the other hand. Gan and Villa. All right, Gan is Gan's wearing... got
0: a long robe oh, on. No. <laughs> Gan's wearing, like, a bathrobe. <laughs>
1: Gan's just, like, a self-styled emperor the liberator. Villa is, I don't know what Villa's I don't know. I don't He's, wearing know He's wearing yellow is. pants. He's wearing yellow pants.
0: That's all that matters. Bright <laughs> they're yellow They're bell pants. bottoms.
1: They're bell bottoms, and they're bell yellow. Bell
0: bottoms are awesome, though, so I'm going to give Villa a pause on this no, one. No, they're not. Bell-bottoms are awesome. No, they're not. You you heard it here first, (laughs) unequivocally. Bell-bottoms are awesome.
1: So that's, I mean, that's kind of a small nitpick, and I think we're making a big deal about it, but I do think this is where the show is going to start getting a lot more wacky.
0: I mean, Maybe that's not a good thing. I just wanted to make a point of it because Avon's outfit was just so hilarious (laughs) to me that every time Avon was on screen, I could barely take him seriously because he's wearing black leather, which is like... Avon's supposed to be this sort of menacing character, which they make him a lot more menacing in the story than. The yeah, they really season. do.
1: I noticed that a lot.
0: Which maybe the leather, I like it. maybe the leather was like supposed to accentuate that. But I think it's something maybe is funnier
1: than, than anything. Yeah, really. I think
0: something like a black outfit, like Travis, or even white, like Serverland, I think it's not the color that's that makes it humorous. I think it's the material, like it being like really shiny leather too. It's not like, you know.
1: And you know what? I don't think Avon has ever been a menacing character in terms of his appearance, really.
0: Yeah, that's also the thing. Avon's always just... There's, there's always been a very homogenized look to the Blake's Seven crew, and I think maybe that's also why we're bringing this up now is because these crazy outfits make it a lot more obvious that they're all different.
1: Yeah. And I mean, someone like Travis, at least in Seek, Locate, Destroy, is, like, visually menacing. Mm-hmm. They hype up his appearance. He's not shown for a while. And when he is, he's like, he has this eye patch and he has this war history. And uh, he's wearing a military uniform. Avon has been menacing, but never in the same way.
0: Yeah. But they do make him a lot more menacing in this, like I said. Which I yeah, think starts, like, right off the bat because Blake keeps replaying Orak's prediction And Avon's like, you've missed something. And Blake's like, well, what have I missed? And Avon's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. And Blake's like, what did I miss? And Avon's like, oh, all you have to do is ask. And in my head, I'm like, he did ask twice. Avon.
1: Avon's also withholding this information from everyone else for the same reason, because they didn't ask. And it's only been a couple hours, but like, come on, Avon. And over the course of series one, Avon felt like he was becoming a lot more trusting of people in general, I think. And you know, I mean, something like, uh, the one where Gan has, they have to go get surgery. Gan has to get surgery. Is a far Breakdown. cry. Breakdown. is a far cry from like Spacefall where Avon is like, well, they need my help. I have to go back to the Liberator. Whereas mm-hmm. in like Spacefall and Cygnus Alpha, he's ready to get out of there ASAP, you know?
0: Yeah, because in this story, he there's a lot of things he says in the story which makes it out like
1: Sort of reverses, he wants to kill
0: Blake and take yeah, over.
1: yeah. Which has never really been the case. I mean, killing Blake has been part of his plans. At some, it wasn't Cygnus Alpha, but he, that was just leaving Blake on the planet. His plans have always involved like taking the money on the Liberator and hiding out somewhere. Or it's never really involved killing Blake directly. There was that weird exchange between him and Jenna, where like, could you kill a person? But well, yeah. he just—it seems like he's reverted to
0: his old self here. Avon's always felt like the antagonistic first officer, right? The first officer who challenges everything that the captain does, which is actually a good first officer. A good first officer challenges everything the captain says and makes them yeah. make sure that they're absolutely certain that they're doing what they wanted to do. And that's always what Avon felt like in the first series. Yeah, did Avon fully trust Blake? Probably not. But he always challenged Blake and he always tried to make sure Blake was making the right decision. Whereas in this, he basically just summarily dismisses everything Blake does as wrong, and basically insinuates that he thinks Blake is an incompetent leader and that they should just basically stop believing Blake and that they should just overthrow him. Yeah, and
1: it's it's a weird change. It's an abrupt change, especially since I think dialogue in this very scene says, it's, I've been examining this for the past couple of hours, which I'm, I'm, it's it's not exactly that, but it's something that... Yeah, in, Blake's like, how that long that have you
0: in, known this? And Avon's like, a couple hours. And Blake's like, you just let me watch this video for like a couple hours without telling me, so you didn't ask
1: Yeah, but it's something that indicates that this is right after Orak.
0: Which makes the costume changes even more interesting. Yeah. But so, yeah, Avon's like, and Avon's like really snarky about telling this to Blake too because he's like, oh, you're standing on a cliff. You make a prediction, right? And he's like, yeah, I would just walk away from the cliff. Avon's like, yeah, but if you never went to the cliff in the first place, you wouldn't have to do that, right? Avon's and Blake's like, yeah, I guess we, you're right. If we just memorize where the location of this prediction is and never go there, the prediction <laughs> will never come true.
1: Yeah, because Avon has looked at the um, constellations in the background and found out where mm-hmm. this prediction is supposedly taking place. Yeah. They've shoved Orak into a box in the corner.
0: It, well, <laughs> he's like in the middle of the room, kind of. They've they've concealed him for
1: some reason. He's not just sitting there anymore.
0: His voice is noticeably different yeah, in the story, but, but I will give Peter Tuttenham Peter, Peter Tuddenham credit for making Oryx's voice sound very different from Zen's. Yeah,
1: it does. It sounds different from Zen's.
0: <clears throat> so I think that's neat.
1: Now, I don't know what happens they because the first 40 minutes of this episode... Are they, can be condensed into like five to ten minutes. Well, so I don't they know. get
0: chased by these other ships, and Blake and them are like, "Where are these other ships from?" And looking at the visual design of the ships, to me, it seemed pretty obvious that these were made <laughs> by the same people who made the Liberator, because they've got the big ball on the back, like the Liberator does. These ones are red instead of green, but they basically look like the center spike of the Liberator without the three spikes coming off.
1: Yeah, yeah, they do. And now that now that I see these ships and what. Their base sort of looks like the spherical design is that's their trademark, right? It's mm-hmm. it's on the Liberator, it's on Zen, it's on their ships, and it's on their sort of space station thing. Yeah.
0: So Blake and Mem start out trying to outrun these ships, but they're catching up, and Zen's like, "They're not Federation." And Blake's like, "Well, who are they then?" And Villa,
1: I think, mentions that they're going like standard by twelve, which is the fastest we've ever seen.
0: Fourteen, actually, because yeah. the Liberator goes standard by twelve later, but then, but. Villas like they're going standard by fourteen, and Blake's like that's impossible. And they're catching up, and they're gonna they're gonna try fire on these ships. They're like skimming around this gas giant, trying to lose them, and they're gonna fire. Yeah, then,
1: was that looked kind of looked like a uh, the
0: these planet these, from uh... these space motion scenes were like. A lot more questionable than they normally are because it was like a static liberator, and they were just like zooming the background <laughs> by in the background to make it look like the liberator was flying. I kind of like that. It had some, it had like a low budget charm to it. It reminded me of like Tom and Jerry for some reason. Yeah,
1: well, with the repeating backgrounds, Flintstones was the first cartoon ever I think to do the repeating backgrounds, and yeah.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, Tom and Jerry. Tom, Tom and Jerry's seven. So they, Tom the, and
1: Jerry's a god-tier cartoon, by the way. Yes. Really is. Just yeah, one it of is. the best. No, it is. I agree.
0: So they, all the equipment locks up, and they're like, what the hell? And they get shot. <laughs> this, is, this is all over the course of, like, 10 or 15 minutes, by the way. <laughs> they get shot a couple times, and the screen goes green. And they're like, whoa. Oh, yeah, the, the ship's... The lasers from
1: the ships look exactly like that shield that Ensor installed in Orac. (laughs) Not in Orac, the computer, but in Orac, the story. That shield he installed on the beach. (laughs) They're (laughs) (laughs) just—they're the exact same effect.
0: Oh God, you're right. I didn't even notice. (laughs) So the ships break off pursuit, and they're basically stuck flying through space at maximum speed with the auxiliary on, and Blake's like, oh, God.
1: Wait, he he mentions that they can only stay like this for a while before they run out of power.
0: Two hours, I think he says. And I wonder, like, where does the Liberator recharge? It recharges itself. Huh. Uh, do you remember? Oh, shoot. What was that? There was a story where the Liberator was running out of power. Oh, it, web? No, no, no. It was Duel, and the Liberator was running out of power, and... They, that That's why they got cornered by the ships of that planet. Yeah. And right. when they sent them away, they fully charged their ships so they wouldn't have to wait for the recharge cycle. But Yeah. But was then, it that
1: it recharged itself, though? I don't remember that.
0: Well, they said they just had to stop there and recharge for a while. and mm-hmm. the, 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 right. the, the the implication I got from that was that it recharges itself somehow.
1: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So Really, over, really wonder why this this civilization hasn't just... Con- Maybe they're just... Well, I was going to say that maybe they're not warlike. That's not true, but they seem way stronger than the Federation. Although I guess it's revealed later that they're way farther away than they thought they were. So
0: Yeah, they're on the other side of the galaxy, which how did they liberate to get there in two hours? Kind of like that one Star Trek movie where they go to the center of the galaxy in like two hours, but then a Star Trek series set 300 years later, it's going to take them like 70 years to get back from the other side <laughs> of the galaxy. So yeah, you know, <laughs> consistency in Star Trek. Yeah, so the Liberator, like, apparently in that two hours, makes it to the other side of the galaxy. Oh, At man, I can't, believe, 14, I can't I guess. believe
1: I didn't make a, a, a what-does-God-need-with-a-spaceship reference when <laughs> Avon was being praised as a god. Darn uh, it.
0: Dang it.
1: <laughs> anyway, yeah, they're, they're basically screwed.
0: Yeah, so Blake goes into the power oh, coupling man. Room? okay, so they Gan
1: decides to go off somewhere
0: i don't even remember where Gan's he's going Gan's first line in the story and i made note of this cuz Gan doesn't say anything until the ship oh, gets the ship gets attacked and the power goes off and then Gan says his first line Blake's like hey Gan go do this thing and Gan's like okay that's his first line in the story
1: <laughs> Oh my god okay so this is really this season 1 on this problem too this is really an egregious overplaying of it though is that blake and avon are the only ones with any real dialogue villa to some extent jenna even less than normal Callie and gan you know <laughs> Callie and gan at this point might as well not even be there but gan goes off somewhere and then like in in two seconds he's just there <laughs> he's just did you notice that it wasn't even i don't know it was it the way it was shot the way it was shown to you Makes it seem like there's just no time between when Gan leaves the bridge and when he gets to the place. I don't know how, how else to explain it, but
0: mm-hmm. I didn't notice that. God, this
1: <laughs> this story just felt like it magnified the problems of season one to a to like a really great extent, and just distilled them and pumped them into your veins. <laughs> I think we
0: were just underwhelmed. I think we <laughs> I think we 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 hyped ourselves up too much, and uh, we got we got burned.
1: Okay, regardless of the crappy what they did with the. Raiders backstory sort of thing it's just the first half of this episode kind of sucks
0: i don't think it was like really bad i just thought it was a little boring
1: we've already got some scenes of the people on the ships or the station i don't really know where they were but they're in charge of the pursuit and they're sort of they're wearing these like blue jumpsuit things yeah and they have these installations yeah these diamond installation things on their foreheads and they have some cryptic dialogue here we yep. don't really know that i guess we don't know that they're the ones who created the liberator yet but they are
0: but we do know that they're the ones who are chasing down the liberator because yep. the lady touches this orb and she gets this information like from a computer pursuit ships have engaged the ship they've performed their functions ship is, ship control has been turned over to main command or something like that Yep. And they teleport down to the liberator. Well, not just yet. Blake's in the power room, and uh, he tries to switch off auxiliary power. And he does, but then the console blows up in his face, and auxiliary <laughs> power automatically turns back on, and Blake's like, what the hell? So he goes back into the room to try to turn it off, but then this cable snakes out of the wall oh, and yeah, forgot starts about trying this. to attack Blake. And we get like a point of view shot from Blake's <laughs> point of view of this cable trying to attack him and it's like really obviously the cable is being held up by invisible wires to the ceiling (laughs) of the studio but it doesn't matter because i actually think it looks really cool so
1: yeah it did it
0: (laughs) this it's kind of like uh, uh, snaky, like it's like a yeah
1: it it moves like a snake yeah and there's some dialogue now between avon and blake where avon tells the rest of the crew mm -hmm. that they should think of The Liberator is having defense systems similar to the human body where if invaders are found inside of it, Mm -hmm. it releases sort of like white blood cell type things. And this is what the snake thing is. It's a bunch of wires massed into a defense system that the Liberator can just activate when it feels that there's a
0: threat inside of it. This is another time that Avon is like really hostile towards Blake because Blake has told Avon to work on getting Zen back online because Zen isn't working for whatever reason. He's not replying. As usual. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I remember the Gan scene you're talking about, because I remember now noting that it looked like he was just standing in the corner of the studio talking into the wall.
1: Oh, God.
0: Anyway, uh, yeah, Avon's, like, really hostile to Blake here, because Blake calls Jenna and is like, hey, can you put Avon on? And Jenna's like, hey, Avon, Blake wants to talk with you. And Avon's like, I'm busy. Jenna's like, it sounds important. So Avon's like, are you willing to accept responsibility for the fact that you delaying me might kill all the crew? And Blake's like, yes, of course, obviously. (laughs) Avon's like, okay, fine, I'll come down then. So he comes down and uh, finds the snake attacking Blake. Snake attacking Blake. Snake on a Blake. Blake's on a plane. (laughs) Blake's on the plane. (laughs) And so he has Avon uh, disconnect the power to the cable. uh, Because the cable, the snake cable, can only attack one of the two of them at at a time. So while it's attacking Blake, Avon turns off the power to the cable. But then... The door shuts when Blake makes it out before Avon does, so then they spend 30 seconds trying to open the door and then they get it open for Avon to come through.
1: Yeah, because there's some charges. I don't know if this was like the... I forgot if the console itself was going to be blowing up or if Avon, like, set some charges. I don't know what's going on, but he needs to get out of the room fast.
0: Yeah. Which he does. Yeah, so they get they do get him out, and then they get to the the main bridge, and this is when Avon actually explains the whole white blood cell defense system thing which
1: is which is nice i guess it's a cool bit about the liberator that we'd never learned before i was just underwhelmed by th- it and the rest of the episode honestly though so
0: yeah yeah and and then so blake comes up with this admittedly pretty genius idea because because avon indicates that it seems like zen isn't being controlled by them anymore it's being controlled by someone else so a- so blake's like well
1: which Let's m- use Orac.
0: Which might have
1: something to do. I don't know. There's a line in uh, one of the episodes in Series A where Gan conjectures, I guess, that Zen is someone else is controlling Zen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, some the, the the this group who created the Liberator has the ability to control Zen remotely, which is interesting.
0: Oh yeah, Blake doesn't have this idea just yet because Gan and Callie, Gan gets captured in the teleporter room. And Callie gets, Villa gets captured next.
1: Yeah, because they, they teleport down
0: to the Liberator. And and then Callie gets captured. I wanted to make a note that it looks like they built more teleporter bracelet props because yeah. they show the box full on this time and it's full again.
1: That was the first thing you see, I think, in the episode.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they were like, we gotta make sure everybody knows we've got enough <laughs> teleporter bracelets now. We made new ones. Scene <laughs> for their
1: investors. Like, look, we're actually making the show properly.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kidding and so so Gan, Callie and Villa get captured so it's just Jenna Blake and Avon on the bridge and that's when Blake's like oh we can use Orac," and Aurac's like I'm busy and Blake's like well here's the new command sequence for whenever the hell you find enough time to wipe your memory banks and institute this but basically I want you to investigate Zen, wipe any out of control and make it so that it only responds to commands from myself, Jenna, and Avon which I just realized is going to get thrown out the window in the next episode when Ganavilla is going to give Zen a command and it's going to listen
1: Yeah, you know what got thrown out that they bring back here? The thing from Spacefall where you can only take one Liberator gun at a time. That's never been they've actually completely ignored that until now where it comes back into play
0: Yeah, well also I think that Whoever's controlling the system also makes all the guns white hot, which is another Terry nationism.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe maybe this can just be explained or damage controlled by, like, they deactivated the thing that only lets you take one, because yeah. you clearly see them holding two at a time in other stories.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe they had Zen deactivated or Avon bypassed the system or something, yeah. Avon, they kind of go back and forth on Avon, Avon.
1: Yeah, well, you have to remember that this show is British. The country that pronounces Robot as Robit. <laughs> I thought
0: you were going to say That's... you had to remember that his first name is Kerr. Oh,
1: right. Yeah. You <laughs> should just start calling him Kerr.
0: <clears throat> Why don't they call him Kerr? Because Avon sounds way better, probably. Yeah.
1: I mean, not to knock the British... I guess. I mean I just wanted to point out the, the and I point this out whenever I can get the chance, is that it's pronounced robot, not robot.
0: We pronounce it as robot in South Africa, so Yeah. We also call traffic lights robots in South Africa. Huh. I don't know if they do that it's, in England.
1: I don't think so.
0: So it's like, oh, you know at the robot yeah. turn right, that's huh. give directions. All Fun right. facts. So Blake basically postulates that the people controlling Zen are the people who built Zen and so and they are <laughs> he's right. They bust into the bridge and knock him out and then they take him to what looks like a water treatment plant that the BBC filmed at well, we see an outside shot of this
1: and it looks like a bunch of Zen's connected by pipes in a circle
0: <laughs> yeah in space the the space version
1: and this thing is massive if you if you Realize how big the Liberator is, and that this the Liberator is like basically dwarfed by this thing. Mm-hmm. And this was weird because the people we we were like hmm, the we we knew the people who built the Liberator were human sized roughly based on the bridge. Mm-hmm. But why do they build their things so huge? Do they just have <laughs> massive amounts of resources. Maybe they're like, just, gotta go bigger. they big just compensating
0: home? for something. Maybe, <laughs> or maybe they just want to show off. You know, I feel like. In a spacefaring civilization, showing off is going to be something that's really important. Because before you see the people you're talking with, you're going to see their ship, right? So if they have a really impressive ship, you're probably going to be more intimidated by them, I guess. That's an interesting concept, actually, now that I think about it. Like, the first thing you're going to see of a new alien species, or the first thing you see of a species that you know about but you haven't seen the person you're talking to, is going to be their ship, which, I mean, kind of throws back to... You know, like the old pirate days, that's why you'd fly Jolly Roger on your ship so that, you know, you'd know it's a pirate ship before you got there, but you wouldn't know. Are they going to be, are they going to kill us? Are they going to board us? Are they going to sink us? You know?
1: Yeah. The intimidation thing. Yeah. Yeah, Anyway, they bring them onto this base. Base.
0: And they're basically, Blake's the leader. They've tortured Blake on the bridge already because he's like, what have you done with my crew? And they just shock him. And he's like, ah, that hurts (laughs) real bad.
1: I actually really like this base surprisingly it looks pretty generic but it looks it's indoor looks like it's indoors and it looks like i don't know if it actually is indoors but it looks like it is i mean it's indoors in the story but i don't know if it where they actually filmed it at is Mm -hmm. indoors but it looks like it is they did a good job with that and it also they do a good job with the massive scale of it the ceiling looks really far up
0: I and, like the control room, and I like
1: that shot later where the guard just falls like a hundred feet to his death.
0: <laughs> I liked the the control room with the with the orbs and the big fancy chair that the the I guess the leader sits in.
1: Yeah, we've. I mean, I don't think there really is a leader necessarily, since they take all since they're integrated with like the computer, as we find out later.
0: Yeah, she just seems to be like the de facto leader. She's like the
1: spokesperson. I think. <clears throat> I think the computer is the leader, and she's just the voice of it
0: something yeah so jenna and avon get thrown in a cell we don't even see cali gannon villa for the next 10 minutes nope (laughs) yikes and blake gets taken to go get tortured because they want to know how he came into possession of the liberator and what they're doing with it i guess because he obviously blake stole it so
1: yeah they ask him where he got it and he's like i just
0: found it and took it, and it was empty. And they're like, we don't believe that. And he's like, I think it was in a space battle. And they call the ship, like, S-76, I think. Something like that. I don't know. It has, like, were, a proper designation that they have for there, it, but I don't there remember.
1: Was, there's a name. There's something. It's like a letter and then the number two, because there's also, it's like X-2 or something like that, because there's also X-1, mm-hmm. which is exactly the same ship, which comes into play <laughs> at the very end.
0: So then we get this tense reveal, I guess, where Avon is like, hey, remember when I told everyone that if we went to that certain place, then the prediction would come true? And Jenna's like, yeah. And Avon's like, well, I memorized the star location and (laughs) we're looking at it right now. (laughs) And Jenna's like, ah, shoot. This added some
1: much-needed tension to the story, (laughs) I think. The way they resolve it is kind of a cop. It's a cop-out, kind of, but
0: uh... (laughs) (laughs) we'll see we'll talk about it but blake then while he's being escorted back basically breaks free by unplugging the 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 blue lady the blue people have this tube that runs from like their chest into their chin i guess and he like grabs it and rips out and she's like "Ah!" and falls over and then he like steals one of the guards guns and he battles him and yeah he chucks one over the over the railing and that guy shoot, I
1: think he shoots him and then he just falls off
0: that guy goes plummeting <laughs> to his doom, plummeting wonder if
1: they have any indoor skydiving you know, <laughs> you know just a recreational thing you know
0: yeah you know you know ruling the galaxy is tough work you gotta lighten up every once in a while maybe Sovalain has a
1: <laughs> indoor skydiving, <laughs> indoor skydiving
0: <laughs> rig. <laughs> You know, being a despotic tyrant is a tough work. You got to relax. Yeah. You forget that these people are people sometimes.
1: Yeah, you know, got to take a lot of time off, play a lot of golf. What? Anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So the next couple minutes are a lot of running around and people getting shot at and people shooting.
0: I'm okay with it, though for some reason.
1: It was more interesting than, than the Liberator portions for uh, I some think, reason. I think I'm
0: okay with it because it's not the whole Liberator crew running around. They, like, pick up the yeah, people along the way. Yeah, they completely ignore Gan. Well, <laughs> they, like, pick him up along the way because, v- so Villa opens the door and Avon's like, what took you so long? And Avon's like, these locks are difficult even for me. And Avon's like, well, learn. <laughs> and then they free Gan and Callie and then they meet up. They're, they get cornered by a blue person in Garden and they just get beat from behind by Blake and his newfound buddy, this old dude who yeah. doesn't make it out of this story alive, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> There's a resistance movement on this ship. And Blake at one <laughs> As always. And Blake at one point gets pulled into their secret corridors. <laughs> and this guy explains the backstory that was interesting but basically irrelevant. So what this is, is this society was basically three planets who were at war with each other. And they had, like, this technological race to see who can build the best computers and take each other over. And this the, this group is the one who won and assimilated, like, the other groups into them. Yeah, because they
0: built a the computer so powerful, it just absorbed the other two.
1: Yeah, and, and basically all of their people are connected to this computer. So the the guard lady who was in charge of torturing Blake and the spokesperson, the lady who looks like she's in charge, are actually just parts of this computer doing their job. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, but also kind of underwhelming i mean this is this is the liberator's backstory and it's just explained by an old man in like a two second two minute scene in a dark corridor it doesn't really play into much
0: well my problem with this is you know i've been waiting a whole season to find out something about the liberator's backstory right we do get some cool stuff in the story i think with the the computer so powerful it absorbed the other two and with the with the society that seems to be being run by this computer and these, these ladies just serve as mouthpieces, but you know, whatever else we could have potentially gotten out of this society, because I have a lot of questions about this society. (laughs) Like why, why haven't they conquered the Federation yet? Because they're clearly more powerful. The the liberator can take on three of the Federation's most advanced ships and destroy one of them and then survive. And and they have multiple liberators. Uh, You know, so why aren't they conquering the galaxy? And then, you know, and then it's, well, how they're did clearly they, warlike? How did their society get this way? Because they spent hundreds of years fighting, but like, well, what were they fighting over? Why were they fighting? Why aren't they fighting now? And then, well, because
1: one group won, that's why they're not fighting now. Well, I but...
0: mean, fighting like the Federation, uh, fighting like yeah. outside forces, and so. But then, and so, like, I was really upset. I guess at the end of the story, when they just threw it all away, <laughs> throw it. They legitimately <laughs> just throw it all away, and basically, they basically write it so that they can never bring any of the stuff back. <laughs> I mean we're not there yet, but it like really disappointed me because like the backstory we were getting was interesting. I'm like, yeah, they're gonna continue this. They're gonna you know, maybe they'll make it more a of a part. Or the, yeah, maybe next week we'll get more, they'll like be upset. But no. I mean we don't know if the next week's story is related at all, but I I, I would actually severely doubt that Yeah, it is. I
1: doubt it. I really doubt it.
0: And but yeah, there's actually also a line that we forgot to mention. The reason why Blake's like interrogation gets stopped they're like, oh, the computers are having trouble. So like, oh, that's ORAC.
1: Yeah. This also harkens back to the way back where Blake is tried by the computer.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of similarities between this and that, probably intentionally so. And yeah, this,
1: I mean, in okay, so in the way back, the Federation has obviously built this computer and either don't know how it works or you just don't care anymore because it's so powerful that they just trust it completely. To, to judge people, and this is, I guess, like the next evolution of it where they just are the computer. They're just assimilated with it. Which is yeah. interesting, I guess, but also not that interesting. Reminds me of the
0: Borg it. from Star Trek who are a, a race whose entire purpose is to just assimilate other races into the Borg collective. And they're basically linked into one hive mind. You know, there's a lot of interesting stuff they could have done with this this race of people, I guess, because we don't know where they come from. We don't know why they're there. We don't know anything about them. We don't even know what they're called. We don't know how long they yeah. Live. They don't have a name. We don't know as far know. as I can remember. We don't know why they built everything so big. We don't know how many people would even regularly staff the Liberator because I know that was something we talked about too. The Liberator being so big, the fact that it could be run by seven people was like kind of impressive. We don't even know if seven people is even the theoretical minimum you or the maximum that you could have on that ship. You know, we don't know anything. Uh, we didn't learn anything. In particular, about Zen, because I know nope. Zen is still super mysterious. We still have that unexplained thing that Zen is like kind of psychic, because he read their minds in, in Spacefall,
1: and that he has sort of a will of his own. You know, he doesn't always follow their orders.
0: Yeah, which is still. Oops. This would have been a good opportunity to explain at least, or at least hint at some explanations for those things with the introduction of the species. Introduction of the species that built the Liberator, but we don't get, we don't get anything. Nope. Except the fact that Ven can then zen can be controlled remotely by i guess high command for the species anyway so blake makes it back to the ship with his crew Orak has regained control of the ship and they leave and they start getting chased by
1: another liberator basically Mm -hmm. and they're like oh god there's no way we could possibly it's catching up on them for some reason same ship but this one's better or something or
0: i don't think the liberator's back at full capacity yeah yet. it's not
1: something like that so they're about to die and and the prediction's also about to come true they're like well we're gonna get shot and there's
0: really and, no way around it and blake's like well i'd rather go down fighting and not villa <sighs> get ready and then the other ship just blows up
1: yep so that's what this prediction was it was just another ship that looks exactly like the liberator
0: i mean i'm okay with that what I'm what I'm less okay with is the fact that then the entire base blows up and they wipe any possibility of learning more about the liberator off the map. And also what bugged me a little bit is that there's no way that Orak could have known any of this. Because Orak is only linked into the Federation computers, right? And they don't know they
1: yeah, don't know they anything didn't even
0: know about this civilization. This, yeah, they don't know anything about this. So there's no way Orak could have known, unless Orak was just just picked a random star system. It's like, oh, the Liberator will blow up here because then Orak is like, oh yeah, I like, I I hacked into their systems. He didn't say hack, but whatever. Yeah, I hacked into their systems and caused their torpedoes to blow up before they launched, which is why the other ship blows up. It's because Orak sabotaged the other ship, and he's like, yeah. if I hadn't done that, my prediction wouldn't have come true. But, yeah, like I mean, this there
1: this is just basically a. I don't want to call it a cop out because I don't know if it really is, but it's just a really weird and unlikable direction that they took the cliff, the season one cliffhanger in. Mm -hmm. It's like it almost feels like they just went, well, we don't know how to wrap this up, so you know we'll just do it in the very first episode of the season, and this is it. You know what would have been cool? I mean, I'm not, I'm okay with them wrapping up the season one cliffhanger in the first episode of series two, series B. But what could have been cool is if this was sort of a running thing for the entire series and, mm-hmm. and was brought up in maybe maybe the season finale of this series, where it's like, well, we know the Liberator, like this thing hanging over their heads the entire time that they know the Liberator is going to get destroyed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that would actually add more um, some more tension to maybe scenes later on in the season where the Liberator seems like it's going to get destroyed. And, you know, yeah. you almost might think like this might be it.
0: Yeah, that would have been, that would have been cool. It almost feels like, Terry Nation, Chris Boucher, wrote themselves into a corner with that cliffhanger. It's like, oh, the prediction, yeah. the Liberator's going to blow up. And then it almost feels like they didn't really expect to come back for a second season. Then when, when the BBC was like, let's do a second season, they were like, oh, shoot, we got to... I think, you know, I think the thinking was, oh, we let's drop all plot threads connected to the PVCs season and then try to take the show in a new direction.
1: Well, I know they knew Blake 7 was pretty popular, like within the first couple of weeks.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I, do, read, I, think I
1: read somewhere that they p- started planning the second series halfway through like the airing of the first one or something like that. I don't I know. mean,
0: it being popular as soon as it is doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to get another season. No, it doesn't.
1: It just means that it w- is more likely to.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, I don't know when they found out that they were going to do another season whether that was at the end of the first season or if it was sometime in the middle or if it was well after, but if the way it feels is that if, if they did start planning season B, I guess series B in the middle of series a, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like they wrote themselves into a corner and then we're like, shoot, we need to get ourselves out of this corner somehow. And we need to do it as quickly as possible because we want to take the show in a, in a certain direction and,
1: and this isn't it. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and having that prediction hang over the heads didn't gel with the direction they wanted to take the show. So they had to just get it out of the way, which is fine. I think, you know, I think that can be fine. You know, if the rest of the episodes of season aren't as much of a question mark, I guess, in terms of quality as this one, then I think it's fine. Yeah. I think it's okay that they wanted, they would want to get the previous season out of the way and just move on right away.
1: Yeah. But we'll see what's coming, I guess. Yeah. I know some of the big spoilers for this season, but I don't know everything.
0: I'm just kind of bummed out because Zen was the character I wanted to find out the most about for all of Lost series, and to have them introduce the species that built them and then wipe them off the map in the same episode before we actually even learn anything substantial, like really, it didn't make me angry, it just kind of annoyed me, because now now it's like way, I mean, it's not impossible that we won't find anything about Zen, it's just really unlikely, <laughs> like more yeah, so than before. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we didn't give any awards this episode because we decided for series B, we were going to change it up a little bit. We're probably going change, to change up the fun little thing we do every series just to keep the show interesting because I think it'd get boring if we did 52 awards, especially since they were getting increasingly irreverent and nonsensical by the end. Not to say this new thing won't get increasingly nonsensical <laughs> by the end, which it absolutely will, because that's just who we are. But
1: then we'll start doing something else, so...
0: Yeah. So we decided we're gonna we're gonna rate these series, which is a first for our podcast, because we've been strongly against actually putting hard ratings on these episodes of anything we watch.
1: Yeah, but now we are putting hard ratings on them with a... Quote-unquote hard. With, with a scale that's set in stone and is completely objective... <laughs> and uh, will be an accurate representation of what these episodes are. Yeah. So uh, do you want to go first? What would you rate this?
0: Yeah. So I'd rate this uh, the the liberator gun wall uh, out of well liberator props. You know you can only have one episode like this. <laughs> and you, if you have a second one, you just get burned. That's uh, that's kind of my thinking on this. I think it's okay as as an episode if you if you do it once. It's okay to wipe out all possible backstory for one of your characters in one episode that's okay if you do it once but you know if we if we see it a second time then uh then it's just gonna it's just gonna hurt real bad my rating (laughs) (laughs) and you know this episode
1: it had that promise with the cliffhanger and and it was gonna be about zen and the liberator and the backstory and everything so it had that great setup but then it sort of just fell flat and uh you know they didn't really do much interesting with it at all so i give this again
0: I considered giving it a, again, but I thought the Liberator Gunwall was a- Yeah,
1: that was was a better one. That was a better one. We should mention, we should give credit where credit's due here. Our rating system is at least partially, at least inspired by, partially based on mostly made up Doctor Who episode guides rating system. They're probably one of my favorite Doctor Who podcasts out there right now. When are you guys going to put out more episodes? Uh, (laughs) uh, So go check them out if you like Doctor Who and like humor and- funniness and good podcasts and just good things in general don't check them out if you don't like good things
0: <laughs> and why are you listen, why are you listening to a podcast about blake seven then <laughs> because we're doing it Oof. Oof. <laughs> how many blake seven podcasts do we know of now? there's like six yeah because there's, okay, there's a, all right, more. This is
1: a recommendation section so there's us at the very top of the list, now right, we recommend um, ourselves above everyone else. Spacefall, they're new. Yeah, um, down and safe, which, which is Spacefall and down and safe, are similar to what we do from a more informed angle, probably.
0: Yeah, down and safe is. Uh, they seem to be on a bit of a hiatus right now. They're a bit spread.
1: Yeah, they're a little inconsistent. I think they're only up to. They've been going for a couple years, but they're only on the end of series B.
0: There's a new one good. that's. This is new, new one that started in the past week called. Blake Seven in character, which basically uh, I haven't listened to any of it because it's about a character I don't recognize and we haven't met yet. The first episode that is,
1: it's about Dev Tarrant, the, the oh, you're right.
0: No, the first, I haven't listened to it yet because we do recognize the first character, but I haven't listened to it yet because I didn't have time. Uh, but my understanding of it because I went to their website my understanding of it is that they look at they basically examine one character throughout the entirety of the of the show and just talk about that one character and their character development and
1: yeah I've listened to the first episode it's really cool I, I really uh, enjoy it and recommend it especially if you've watched all of like seven
0: and and then there's one that I always keep forgetting to mention it's actually really old it finished I think in like when yeah, it, it,
1: it started in 2010 finished in 2013. Uh, Shake and Blake, I think it's called. Yeah, it's called Shake
0: and Blake. <laughs> they don't have a website, but you, if you just Google Shake and Blake, Blake 7, you'll find them on iTunes. Apple Podcasts, I mean. and Yeah, so. They're good, too. So there's five now, if you include us, <clears throat> that we know of. We might come back next week like, oh, we discovered another Blake 7 podcast. This niche we thought we were filling, filling is rapidly filling up with other podcasts. Yep. That's okay. So we received... A new record in correspondence once again. We set a record a little while ago with two emails in one episode. Now this week we have two emails plus one comment on the website, which means we have three things to respond to, which may take a long time, and at some point we're going to have to consider whether or not we actually respond to every piece of correspondence on the episode. But I think we'll probably still respond, but maybe we won't give as much in-depth response as we have before just because there's a lot that we have to get through here, and there's a lot of stuff to respond to. So... Yeah, and once again, we're reading the emails rather than having a text-to-speech do it now just because uh, for a lot of reasons, but most of it was that it wasn't really as fun as we thought it was going to be. So,
1: <laughs> And it was also pretty hard to understand when you yeah. actually go back and listen to it. Yeah. But anyway, our first uh, email here is from Carl.
0: Yeah, this Carl? email actually arrived while we were recording the episode last <laughs> week. So I didn't see it until a couple hours afterwards. So I'm sorry, Carl. Your epi- your email probably actually should have gone in last week's episode, but we missed it. So sorry about that.
1: Uh, so Carl, Carl writes... Hi and thanks for the fun B7 podcast, I enjoyed B7 first time round from 78 and never got to see it since, so apart from knowing I liked it and remembering the characters, uh, ooh, Servalan, in parentheses, with a bunch of exclamation marks, when I heard it it was the 40th anniversary on RFS, wait, when I, heard, when I heard it, when I heard it was the 40th anniversary on RFS, I found the and started a 40 year anniversary rewatch and then found you. I like the Doctor Who links you mentioned, but could you also say what Doctor Who episode screened during the B7 episode you're doing, just to save me looking it up? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll do that. Uh, actually, we have already started doing that since we just recorded yeah. the next episode. We
0: just recorded our episode on Shadow, and we did do that, so we are going to do that. And also, I assume by RFS you mean Radio Free Scarrow, so I think that's yeah, what you mean.
1: I didn't know what RFS was. Anyway, he continues, re your correspondence question about MIGAT. I submit the following evidence, uh, and then we have a link.
0: Yeah, we'll put the link in the show notes for anyone who wants to check it out. I looked at it, a couple of pictures of the actress who plays Migat, Susan Farmer, just in, I guess, sexy poses, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree Deliverance had too many plots, but there was a missed opportunity. Clearly, Avon liked being worshipped. I got the feeling romantic opportunities are limited on the Liberator, and his love life before meeting Blake was likely lean. He's not the most likable fellow. So it would have been nice to see him consider yielding to the temptation to remain on Aristo, and enjoy being worshipped by Migat and her 100 friends, or at least show some wistful regret at the end, at, at the end back on Liberator. Better not mention just in case anyone from bbc hears and takes it down i've just noticed your triple plays not heard any though i am of an age to have watched the original star wars alien terminator raiders movies all on the big screen during their cinematic release star wars before it was a new hope was the first movie i saw at the cinema without mom and dad so if i get time might get to hear your take on these you ought to remind listeners that b7 season one was made a year after star wars Back to B7, I've heard Firefly and Dark Matter being compared to B7, or even suggestions that they were inspired by it, and can see why. How about some p- compare and contrast between uh, season reviews? I was going to post this on your contact page, but then thought not due to my mention of if BBC shuts this down, I would, miss, I would miss out on my slow B7 rewatch. Regards, Carl, Sydney, Australia.
0: Yeah, so we responded to some of that during the reading but yeah. let's see what we didn't respond to uh, it would have been nice to see yeah avon maybe have some regret about leaving but at the same time i think that you know it might have been a little weird for avon to actually be like i was a god i could have been a god and now i'm stuck with blake he may bring it up later though which i would be okay with
1: uh sure yeah you mentioned romantic opportunities um on the liberator and and stuff like that that's actually something i'm really enjoying about blake seven is that uh there's no romance in it um because you know we're watching well we just finished series three for our doctor who podcast of the new doctor who series Mm -hmm. and that has a bunch of grating insufferable romantic bs in it which i don't like so
0: i mean i always felt like there was a little bit of a flirtatious relationship between blake and jenna it always felt like there was a There was a little bit more than just friends going on there. To me, anyway, that's just what I interpreted out of it.
1: Well, Jenna's definitely, you know, the right-hand woman. She's the most on board. She's Mm -hmm. more on board than anyone else with Blake.
0: Yeah, for sure. And his plans. Triple Play is a podcast that varies wildly in quality. I'm not going to make any blanket statement about, oh, every episode of Triple Play is great because there are some in there that we were definitely just completely over it at that point. But I think... We I mean, have some interesting thoughts, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we've put a lot of interesting information into those episodes, at least.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned um, you know, watching Star Wars, Alien, Terminator, these sort of late 70s, early 80s, or mid-80s movies. But I think our Matrix episode of Triple Play mm-hmm. is one of our best episodes. So if yeah. you want to check that out for a, a movie that's not really from that time period, I think yeah. that's a good one.
0: Yeah, if you want to check that one out first, that's probably a good place to start and then... Yeah, from there, maybe move on to some of the other ones.
1: Yeah, thanks for listening to Triple Play, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you listen to Triple Play, thank you. It uh, doesn't have a lot of listeners because I think, to an extent, it is a bit of a weird concept for a podcast.
1: And it's monthly. And so. it's
0: monthly rather than weekly, so that's obviously more difficult to build a, a, a just a fan base. Firefly and Dark Matter have been compared to Blake 7, and I'm I, since I have watched all of Dark Matter at this point, I'm going to try bring in more comparisons to episodes in Dark Matter that I can remember because I know that I mentioned Star Trek a lot on Zenith. And I think that, yeah, it's probably also more interesting to bring in Dark Matter, which is a show that I definitely think was inspired by Blake 7 and definitely lifts quite a few things, I think, from Blake 7. So I'm going to try and mention more about that. I haven't watched Firefly, that's why I couldn't do that.
1: Yeah, I've seen all of Firefly and Serenity, the movie finale of it. Um, So whenever I see similarities, I'll, I'll go ahead and mention them and heck I'll mention Eureka 7 too which I have mentioned before um, which is an anime series and my favorite TV show of all time so I've been trying not to talk about it because I can see it just overtaking my discussion of the episode because I like it so much mm-hmm. but uh, sure when I see enough similarity I'll, I'll throw it in too
0: yeah because I think it is interesting to see what Blake 7 inspired and where it ended up and uh, thank you for emailing us yep Carl thanks a bunch means a lot got some good points in there and I think uh, you know definitely some good suggestions Definitely, like I said, for Shadow, our next episode, we mentioned when, in relation to Doctor Who, the episode aired, and we're definitely going to start talking more about what Blake 7 inspired, Firefly and Dark Matter, definitely, and if we think of anything else along the way, too. All right, so moving on to our next one, we'll go ahead and do the email from Sergeant Drano, who we missed last week. We didn't get an email from him last week, but he's
1: back. Get on that, Drano.
0: He's back this week. He says, hey guys, sorry I missed you this week. Too bad I had some deep cuts ready for Avon's black (laughs) bolt outfit. (laughs) And then you you go on, you mentioned getting together sometime for episodes. Sounds great. I'm an experienced podcaster. I host the fairly under the radar on again, off again, station seven, the door podcast since early 2010. Started out as a lost podcast. Now we do this and that. Let me know the details of what, when, and by what means, and I'll do my best to join you. I'm on the East Coast time-wise, and most recently I usually get lazy in podcasts via Skype on my iPhone, (laughs) though I do have a legit microphone if you have quote standards, unquote. LMK, which is short for Let Me Know. Regards, station, uh, Sergeant Drano, Station 7, The Door. Makes so a lot of sense. finally
1: know what Station 7, The Door <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, we finally
0: know what Station 7, The Door is. I did I... look up your podcast on uh, iTunes and I did see it and I was going to listen to some of it, but I haven't had an opportunity yet.
1: Yeah, well, I'll, I'll listen to some of it. I haven't, I'm, I have not seen much Lost, but you know, maybe I'll watch the entire show and listen to your podcast as well. Uh, I thought Station Seven, the door, was a Blake Seven reference that mm-hmm. we hadn't come across yet, and I was like trying to play it cool, like I knew what it was. It was, <laughs> so I wasn't going to question it, but yeah, now I know.
0: But we'll definitely, we'll probably respond to email with some details about when and where and how. Yeah. And we'll definitely see if we can set that up because I think it'll be interesting to get a third voice on this podcast yep. so it's not just us for 52 episodes talking about Blake 7. And yeah, so thanks for emailing us again, by the way, Sergeant Jana. Always good to hear from you.
1: Yep.
0: And then final piece of, I guess, correspondence. 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 Last but
1: not least, another uh, comment from St. Clinton.
0: Another message from St. Clinton. So here we go. I'm going to try and read this because it is rather small on my computer okay so you have made it through the first season and now things are going to get good true this episode is not the best of the season this was a comment on a last episode our episode on ORAC by the way This, uh, true, this episode is not the best of the season, but I don't think that it is the best. I listened to the other Blake7 podcasts that you mentioned that are out there, and I even found some others. Down and Safe is a fun one to listen to, but they only made it through series two, and it is very infrequently done. Space is every fortnight, and even though it is a good listen, the episodes come out too far apart. Others I have listened to just simply don't keep my attention. What I enjoy with your show is that it takes me back to when I first saw each episode and how much I learned to love it even more and more through fresh eyes. I may not always agree with things that you say about some things. You've caught stuff that I had never noticed after watching the series a number of times. I am looking forward to the future episodes as there are episodes and characters ahead that I will be interested in hearing what you have to say about them. You are wondering where the Saint come came from my alias back when I first started using, quote, social media, unquote. A site called Friendster was around. I just used Clinton on it. When I started using MySpace, I was just using Clinton, but in one of the groups I was involved with, people started referring to and calling me St. Clinton. As hard as I tried to get away from it, it stuck. <laughs> MySpace was the popular platform when I started using this little-known site called Facebook. I mentioned that I was on Facebook to someone, and when that person and others found me there, they would refer to me as St. Clinton. I finally gave up and just accepted it. So now you know. Keep up with the great shows, as I always look forward to them. By the way, when you get to the end, and if you're looking to... If you are looking at another show that you would like to podcast about, I would like to nominate Red Dwarf, as I think you will love that show. Well, thank you for the kind words, Saint Clinton. Glad you enjoy the podcast. Actually, some of the things you mentioned are some of the some similar things we heard the first time we actually heard our Doctor Who podcast recommended on another podcast, which was a, the Quinoid podcast recommended Trust Your Doctor, and the recommendation was basically they hold some opinions that are very different <laughs> from <laughs> established fan opinions, and that makes it interesting. Yeah, and.
1: And uh, glad to see our frequency of putting out episodes is what's really drawing people in here. Yeah, we, I mean, we are, we, or I guess I on social media, boast about being the most frequent Doctor Who podcast or the most consistent Doctor mm-hmm. Who podcast ever, only missing one week in the past four years. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> and then we, I mean, even when we did miss that week, we put out two episodes the next weekend to make up for it. So.
1: And we did something like the we did the fan fiction reading thing yeah. like a day or two after. Yeah, I wrote a piece of Doctor Who fan fiction. Not proud of that, but hey, whatever.
0: <laughs> it's <was> really funny. <laughs> but yeah, it's just interesting to see that there are some similarities there and why you like Zenith and why some people, I guess, like Trust Your Doctor. Really glad you like the show, though. I mean, we like making it, even though we kind of do run ourselves ragged in these recording sessions, sometimes recording multiple episodes back to back of multiple podcasts you talk about other shows we want to podcast when we're done
1: yeah red dwarf is one we sort of thrown around just as an idea not yeah. something we wanted to do blake 7 we knew we wanted to do blake 7 before branching out into anything else
0: yeah and we've thrown around actually a couple shows for when we're done with blake 7 I think. sapphire and
1: steel is one of them
0: yeah we threw around sapphire and steel i think we also mentioned the twilight zone at one point not on recording obviously just kind of behind the scenes we were talking about maybe Twilight Zone or Sapphire and Steel or Red Dwarf
1: still holding out for that King of the Hill podcast that's not
0: gonna happen anytime soon <laughs> you know but there's a lot of shows out there maybe we'll shift from something British to something American maybe even like King of the Hill maybe we'll do like <laughs> X-Files or Star Trek or maybe we'll even do something not even sci-fi related at all like King of the Hill no you <laughs> could always do
1: Thundercats it's also a <laughs> All right, show. Like, like I've mentioned uh, before, probably not on Zenith, but on Trust Your Doctor, I like Thundercats more when I'm not watching it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we don't know if, if there'll even be another podcast to replace Zenith when we get to the end, although I think we're leaning towards yes, But once again, we don't know what it'll be on. We haven't even talked much about it. So thanks for the nomination. We'll definitely, I think, keep it in mind when we get to that point. And uh, yeah. otherwise, thank you for the kind words about the podcast. I'm Glad you enjoy it. Yep. And if you would like to email us, you, the listener, not you, St. Clinton, since you're already in contact with us. <laughs> if you would like to email us, you can reach us at the doctor at decorativevegetable.com. Questions, comments, concerns, angry rants, love letters, your thoughts on Redemption, which is a title that doesn't relate to the episode at all. Although I think Blake at one point is like, they're trying to get the Liberator back at their redemption, which is not how that word works at all. You can find us on YouTube at Decorative Vegetable. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play at Blake 7 podcast Be sure to leave a rating if you like the show.
1: Check us out on Facebook. Trust your doctor. Like us on Facebook. Also check us out on Twitter at Podcast And follow us on Twitter. And next time we're watching Shadow. Until then, the end.